It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our episodes, and you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We are doing a mailbag podcast today. Anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline and be a part of these mailbag shows, submit your questions. You can do that, 920-341-3775, and... We're going to spend a little bit of time later dealing with some questions related to the receiver position and free agency, the NFL draft. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff on the show today, and we don't even really have anything newsy to talk about. Normally, we start the show with some news tidbits, but we are in that part of the offseason where there really isn't that much more to say. There isn't a lot going on. And that is by design. These players need a break. And I think fans need a little bit of a break. That said, I know that Packer fans in particular are really excited about what's to come over the next few weeks, the next few months, getting prepped for the draft season, getting prepped for free agency and everything that's going to come together here over the next few weeks, months, and into the 2019 NFL season with Matt LaFleur, all of those Things And as we continue to break down what this offense is going to look like, what this defense is going to look like, who's going to be available, where this team needs to go, let's take that perspective and dive right into your questions. Let's not waste any time because the last time we did this, uh, we just uh, we didn't get to that many questions. And I would like to get to more of them over the course of the offseason because you have a lot of them. And I think there's a lot of good ones out there. There's plenty of just decent ones, plenty of silly ones. Luckily, not a lot of them from what I think are Locked on Packers listeners. I get them mostly on Twitter from people that may or may not listen to the podcast. And in a lot of cases, I can tell who is asking questions that has listened to the show and who's asking that hasn't. And even some people who say, you know, hey, I've been listening to the podcast. Can you answer this question for me? And it's like, well, 
you said you listen to the podcast. We've talked about this like 15 times. I'm not, you know, I'm not begrudging you. Maybe you didn't listen to every episode. Uh, you know, my dad just told me he's behind, a week behind. And the week before, he didn't listen to every show because it was a lot of speculation. And by the time he got to it, they'd already had uh, an offensive coordinator. They already had all of these jobs done. And, and I think those are, you know, those are valid concerns. I understand that we're a daily show and, and you know, there are, you're not going to listen to everyone. That's fine. Listen as often as you can. And I hope that we are providing the kind of content that makes you want to listen every single day. If there are ways that I can do that more often, just let me know. Let's get to the questions. This question submitted on Facebook by Dustin Jean Chitty. What would your thoughts be on picking up Bryce Callahan and Adrian Amos this offseason? If we were to do that, I'd say trade Kevin King and re-sign Breland. I'd still go after Collins as well. Okay, a couple things here. So the Bears, given their cap situation, and this is something that I don't think was brought up enough in relation to what happened with Khalil Mack and the spending spree that they went on last year in the offseason, they wanted to go for it last year. It's going to get more and more difficult as the years move on and, and we get closer to Mitch Trubisky needing to be extended, Jordan Howard is going to need a new contract, Tariq Cohen is going to need a new contract, some of these other defensive players are going to need new contracts, and that is the position that they find themselves in this offseason. Bryce Callahan was a very good cornerback for the Bears last year before his injury. Adrian Amos was a very good safety for the Bears last year, and they really can't afford to keep both without making cuts other places. I don't think it makes sense for the Packers to spend at cornerback in free agency, at least not outside players. I do think re-signing Bashad Breland is the way to go. There's no question about that. But th this, this idea of taking Callahan and Amos and then trading Kevin King, I, I don't know that you've upgraded the cornerback position in that case. Kevin King, when healthy is a potential really good outside corner. Callahan is a slot corner. The Packers have a slot corner. His name is Jair Alexander. And given his age, given his talent, given his athletic gifts, I'd much rather have Jair. Now, the other part of this is interesting, though, the safety conversation. So Landon Collins is the Collins in this question, and I know that he is someone that a lot of Packer fans are looking at. He's going to cost a lot of money, eight, nine, ten plus million potentially. He is a box safety, someone who excels as a playmaker near the line of scrimmage on the back end. He struggles a lot more, and while the Packers don't really have that guy. Josh Jones is not quite that guy in terms of a playmaker. Landon Collins at his best is better than anyone the Packers have as an overhang defender, but he is not good in the space where Green Bay needs some help, and that is on the back end. Adrian Amos is not as restrictive in terms of his ability as a box safety, but he is not the primary deep safety. Now, the Bears played plenty of two-shell where both he and Eddie Jackson are deep, but he is not the ideal single high safety. And he can play some deep safety, but he's not also a super high impact 
box safety. So while I think Amos is a very good player and would be an upgrade for the Packers, you're not going to sign Amos and Collins. It's going to be an either-or proposal. And I don't know that Landon Collins is the best fit. If you're going to sign a safety, the guy to get is a deep safety, a single high safety, someone who can play that middle of the field, someone like Earl Thomas, someone like Trey Boston. And you you go from there because these other positions can be manufactured. I think Green Bay is going to try and make Oren Burks a bigger part of this defense in 2019, and rightfully so. They should. They drafted him to be a big part of it, and so they should give him an opportunity to be, be a bigger part of it. I did get a question on Twitter last night about this secondary, and, and if secondary is so important, and it was for the Patriots, it was all year, their coverage grades over the last three Super Bowl teams, I think, were all in the top five, and none of their pass rushes were in the top 10, according to Pro Football Focus grades. And whatever you think of those grades, it is pretty clear that they prioritize it because they have, for a long time, prioritized coverage over pass rush. Even when they had really good defenses, that was their priority. They, they were great at disguising coverages. They were great at disguising the blitz looks that they had. And this took me back to Mike Patton. And you look at, okay, well, they didn't have great pass rushers, but they were able to get a pass rush because you can scheme pass rush. It's much harder to scheme coverage. So in this question, I do think Adrian Amos, if the Bears do not keep him, is certainly a name Worth keeping an eye on in the offseason. The Packers have already shown a willingness to go after a Bears defensive back. They tried to sign Kyle Fuller. But I don't think it makes sense to go with Amos and Collins. And speaking of potential defensive upgrades, let's hear, this is a voicemail from Taylor in Des Moines. Hi, Peter. This is Taylor from Des Moines, Iowa. Um, In hindsight, Given where Josh Allen uh, kind of fell after the all these big games, you know he's definitely probably top three, top four draft prospect. Do you think maybe it wouldn't have been worth it? In hindsight, do you think it would have been better had we not won the Jets game? Uh, we would have been much closer to him in the draft. I don't know if we could trade up, but you know he uh, you said it yourself. He looks really good. And I don't know about you, but I feel like we could really use a blue chip pass rusher. Have a great day. So this is a, a perspective that I've heard on, on Twitter. And, you know, obviously Taylor has it here on the Locked on Packers fan hotline. I just, I don't, I don't think it's worth worrying about. You know, I said I, I did, thought Aaron Rodgers should not be playing in these games. But the reasons you do that is not... To tank. The reasons are to not get your guys hurt. I don't have a problem with Green Bay going to New York and trying to win that game, trying to build some momentum, trying to, to have Aaron Rodgers recapture some of his magic, trying to get his confidence back, trying to get his chemistry up with these receivers and and you know the the other things that that go into you know Tony Brown needs snaps and Josh Jackson needs snaps and Jair Alexander and if you're going out and trying to win that game, then then those stakes are a little bit higher than if Deshaun Kaiser is playing. It, they just they don't mean the same. The Packers are not going to draft high enough to get Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a top three 
top four player in this draft. They were never going to have a chance to draft him. So I don't think there's, there's any reason for Packer fans to be looking at this draft and saying, well, if only we'd lost that Jets game, we'd have a chance at player X or player Y. There is no player in that 8 to 10 range that the Packers could have drafted that they can't draft a comparable player at 12, especially not a pass rusher, because the guys that are available at 8, Montez Sweat, Clellan, Farrell, Ja'Kai Polite, someone similarly talented is going to be there at 12. Now, the, the difference would be at offensive line, and so maybe you know you could get a Jonah Williams. Maybe he falls to 8 and doesn't fall to 12. That would be a difference, but there are other quality Offensive tackles that could be available at 12, Andre Dillard, maybe you like Dalton Reisner at 30. This is not a great offensive line draft overall. I think Green Bay is going gonna, is gonna to fill their guard need in uh, via trade or free agency, but there is no reason, I don't think, at this point for Packer fans to be worried that their team cost themselves any kind of significant draft capital by winning a game late in the season. I just I, I don't see any evidence to support the notion that, you know, there's going to be these opportunities had they lost that won't be there after they won. And speaking of opportunities, the Lockdown Podcast Network is going live with an NBA trade deadline special Thursday at 1.30 Eastern, live on YouTube, the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball channel, hosted by David Locke and fantasy expert Josh Lloyd, plus all the local experts of the Lockdown Podcast Network are giving you all the latest with the NBA trade deadline. We're going to break down all the deals, give the fantasy perspective, and have the local angles. It starts Thursday, 1.30 Eastern, 90 minutes before the trade deadline on YouTube at the Locked On Fantasy Basketball channel. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football here on the Locked On Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft. And you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel. And that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. So there are a couple questions here that are related, and uh, I think we can use this voicemail to tee up this discussion because, I, you know, it's, it's an interesting discussion. It's, it's tangential to one we've had on the show a number of times over the course of the offseason and I think is going to continue to come up. Hey, Peter. What's happening? Uh, this is Daniel from Modesto, California, with Draft Talk starting to ramp up. I wanted to talk about the 2011 
Green Bay Packer receiver core. You had basically five number one receivers plus Jermichael Finley as one of the top tight ends all in one team. And the strategy we had was we were every two, three years, we were drafting in the second or third round a top receiver prospect. And it was a recipe for success all the way up until we hit Ty Montgomery and then we just never followed up. You know, when you look back at the stats, we had 15 touchdowns, Jordy Nelson, nine touchdowns, Greg Jennings, you know, seven, eight for James Jones, Donald Driver. It was just the most amazing receiver core in history, in my opinion, and we stopped the recipe. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thank you for taking my call. All right, so let me just piggyback on that with this with this question. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Sean D. from Illinois. A lot of mock drafts have the Packers taking an edge rusher at 12, which sounds great. And at 30, a lot of mock drafts have a tight end at 30. Do you think the Packers should take a wide receiver at 30 and get a tight end in the second like Irv Smith Jr. or just any position instead of tight end at 30? One more question that is that is tied in here. What about Devin Funches in free agency used to play tight end and is a big body receiver could fill the role somewhat for a split out wide tight end. Just a thought Mike from South Carolina. I assume Mike from SC. I assume South Carolina. A couple different things here. Let's just start with the tight end position because certainly Irv Smith Jr. is my dude. I think he's a really talented player, and I think he's a great fit in this offense. He can actually block at 30. Cool. I think the value is there. You can take him at 44. Absolutely, if he's there, take him. Funchess is not a tight end. He doesn't block. He is a receiver, a slow one, and frankly, a, a not very good one. He's an okay receiver. I would much rather have Equinemia St. Brown and just figure it out. That would be my perspective on that. Jimmy Graham is their move tight end right now. The other tight end that they need to bring in is someone who can block. And those two tight end formations are going to be an important part of this offense moving forward. I mentioned this on Twitter. In 2016 and 2017, Matt LaFleur helped coach an offense that had the highest success rate with two tight end formations, 12 personnel, two tight ends, two receivers, a running back. And his 2018 offense was above average there. So Green Bay needs another tight end, but they need a tight end who can block. Devin Funches can't block. This is why the Noah Fant stuff, not here for it. In 2016 and 2018, Matt LaFleur helped coach an offense that had the highest success rate with two running backs and two receivers on the field. That's called 21 personnel. The Packers could use another running back. Here's the thing, though. So you look at those and you say, okay, well, those are those are two formations where you only have two receivers on the field. So when Matt LaFleur was with Sean McVay, they played a lot of 11 personnel with three receivers, a tight end, and a running back. This is something the Packers do a ton. Matt LaFleur doesn't seem like he wants to play that way. The Titans had two receivers or fewer on 56% of their plays in 2018. So more often than not, they had just two receivers on the field. The Falcons, when Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach in the Kyle Shanahan offense, the one that he's bringing to Green Bay, the Falcons had two receivers or fewer on 61% of plays in 2016. We think of that offense as being wide open. 
it wasn't really that wide open. Now, Green Bay, this is just by way of example, Green Bay last year had three or more receivers on the field 65% of the time. So guess what happens when you play three receivers or more on a regular basis and you have injuries at receiver or you don't really have more than one receiver you can trust? Guess what happens? You struggle. Because at all times, you need to have three receivers on the field because you do that a lot. And if you don't trust all the guys on the field, you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage. It's like when an NBA team puts a a lineup out there where only one or two guys can actually shoot the ball or, or only one or two guys is an offensive threat. You're playing four on five or three on five. That's what the Packers were doing at times last year. And they're not going to do that this season because they're going to play two tight ends more. They're probably going to play two running backs more. That means two receiver sets. That means Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison or Devontae Adams and EQ or Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That doesn't mean that they're never going to go 11 personnel by a plurality 11 personnel with three receivers was the most often personnel grouping that the the Titans used last year, but it was still only 44% of the time. So that means more often than not, there were only two receivers on the field. This idea that Green Bay must have some massive upgrade at receiver just doesn't jibe with what we know about what this system is going to look like. And I brought this up on Twitter and, and some Packer fans were like, well, Shouldn't they adapt to what the personnel is on this team? And, and, and to that I say, well, yeah. So if they need to upgrade at receiver, why would they draft a player because they lack receivers? Why wouldn't they do what you're asking and adapt the scheme to the personnel? This is like buying a pair of pants where you need to buy a new shirt and a new jacket and three new pairs of shoes to go along with because nothing in your closet goes with it. And you're saying, well, but I needed, but I wanted those pants. What Packer fans want are new toys and they want new receivers to get excited about. And then they're going, well, shouldn't they adapt to these players? Well, but if they need to adapt, why are they bringing in these new players? Adapt to this personnel they already have. It, it, the, the logic there just falls apart when you think about it that way. The Packers have one really good receiver and some other guys who are talented, plus Geronimo Allison, who's coming back off, his, off a serious injury. I still stand by the notion that they could, they could do well, and we talked about it this week even, with an explosive short area quickness receiver. This is why, and I had previously made the case for Golden Tate, but I did that by saying, if you're going to sign a receiver, do it in a bigger way. And my point then was, if you're going to sign a receiver, make it someone who can be your just straight up number two receiver. A guy who is who can get 80, 90, 100 targets in your offense and isn't just a slot guy who can only do two or three different kinds of things. That could be Golden Tate. But what makes more sense, given how often they're going to play in two receiver sets, is if you want that slot player 
and he's only going to play that Taylor Gabriel role where he's only on the field 30-40% of the time, then it can be a rookie who has a very specific set of skills. He has a very particular set of skills. Maybe not the best time to make a Liam Neeson reference. Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. But this team doesn't need receivers. They need help at tight end, and they could use a pass-catching running back because because given how successful Matt LaFleur has been with multiple running backs on the field, it wasn't something they did a ton in Tennessee. They probably should have done it more with Henry and Lewis, but it was something they did a regular amount, I think 30% of the time in Atlanta where they had multiple backs on the field. Now, that includes fullbacks. Green Bay is probably going to want another running back, preferably someone who can catch passes because that creates all sorts of advantages for your offense. And this offense is built to create those advantages for the fullback, for the H-back, and for that second running back, depending on how you want to play it. I'm fascinated to see how Matt LaFleur implements that offense. And if they they use Jones and Williams on the field at, at once, and if they say, hey, Jamal Williams, you're a really good blocker, how about lead blocking for Aaron Jones every once in a while and playing sort of a hybrid role. We know he can catch balls out of the backfield and we know he can make plays with them once he's caught it. Could that be a route they go? We'll see. But I think all of the concerns about Green Bay getting a receiver and this you know, potential infatuation with Nikhil Harry, those are, those are fun things to talk about. But ultimately, I find it hard to believe that this team would prioritize that position this offseason, given what this offense requires. They just don't need to upgrade there. They really don't. And it's not the best place for them to allocate resources, given this draft, given the other players they could be taking, Irv Smith, Caden Smith, these quality tight ends that are available, these pass rushers, offensive linemen, guys that they can't get in free agency that can come in and help them in the draft at low-cost contracts. Given the way that they're going to want to play, it just doesn't seem likely to me that they want to make an upgrade there because, listen, they don't have to. Devontae Adams is really good. And EQ and MVS are very talented. Geronimo Allison is solid. He can play the Muhammad Sanu role. And, and so can EQ and probably do it better. I love EQ. I think the talent there is major. And could they get a, a Taylor Gabriel 2016 season out of MVS? Yeah, they almost did it last year. If Aaron Rodgers makes a couple more on target throws, MVS has a huge season. I mean, he got, he got behind the Bears secondary a couple times. So I, this, is, this is an issue that I think is, is way overblown for the Packers and is not a priority position for this team going into the offseason. This episode is brought to you by Philips One by Sonicare. One-up your brushing with Philips One. This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old-school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long-lasting battery-powered or USB rechargeable one. The comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E. 
This episode is brought to you by Shell. College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See FuelRewards.com slash FuelYourFandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. All right, I want to end the show with this question. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Colin in Kansasville here. I know, I know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, doesn't get us very far, but I can't help but think that Rodgers would have been even near the top of his game. We could have easily been a serious threat in the NFC. Rodgers lifted up a terrible team for the past four and five years. Any thoughts? He appears hungry now, and I hope everyone forgets we exist next year. I like this team. Momentum is real, and we just couldn't find any. This is what I will add here because I don't, I don't know about momentum, and you know, I, I just I can't speak to that kind of stuff. But I know that empirically, from a data standpoint, close game records tend to regress over time. So Green Bay beat the Bears in a one-score game. They lose to the Vi- or they tie the Vikings, they lose to the Lions, they beat the 49ers by one score, lose to the Rams by one score, they lose to the Seahawks by one score, 24-27, they lose to the Vikings by one score, they lose to the Cardinals by one score, they lose to the Bears by one score. And so you look up at the end of the year, and in close games, Green Bay is 2-7-1. and one. That is going to change in 2019. Those things tend to regress over time. They played a lot of close games. They're not going to lose seven of them again. So even if they just lose four of them or five of them, that means they're only, they only let's say they only lose one other game and it's a, it's a bigger spread game, that's six losses, that's 10 wins. So just think about how those things factor in. Green Bay, just by luck, is not going to lose this many close games next year. If they're healthy or if Rodgers is healthy, then they're a playoff team again. Can they be a legitimate NFC contender? You know, we, we've talked about that a little bit on this show and, and how much closer I think that they are than, than maybe they're given, given credit for being. But this offseason is going to provide us the answer. If they can go out and add an impact free agent or two, if they can get some good players at the top of this draft, then yeah, they'll be right back in the conversation with NFC contenders. And if they don't, then there has to be a lot of concern about the end of the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay, what it looks like, and and if they're going to be realistically able to put together a contender. In all likelihood, they're going to be an NFC playoff team next year. They're going to be in contention in some way, but if they're going to be in real contention, in serious contention, can they compete with the Rams and the Saints? And remember, we saw them nearly beat the Rams in a game that, that... you know, they didn't play their best game in, but in LA, you know, they're, they're close-ish. They need to, LaFleur needs to be the guy we think he is. The defense needs to be healthy and they need to make some upgrades and they can be right back where they want to be. But those are a lot of big ifs. We don't know the answers to those questions. 
And those are those are questions we're going to continue to answer through this offseason. And when those moves are made, we're going to discuss them. That's what we do on Locked on Packers. Anytime you want to hit me up on Twitter, ask a question, leave a comment, whatever it is, you can do that at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can do it for the podcast itself. We have our own Twitter account at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Leave a review there. You can leave a review on iTunes. Subscribe to the show. Leave a rating. Let other people know why you're listening to Locked on Packers. It helps us spread the word about the show. And make sure you check out that NBA Deadline special, the first live show in Locked on Podcast history. Going to be really fun, so check that out. They do a great job. Uh, if you're an NBA fan, and, and how can you not be given all the excitement that's gone on the last week? And anytime you want to be a part of this show, we, we're going to do this hopefully every week in the offseason. You can hit me up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. We're going to talk offensive linemen tomorrow, offseason report card on the guards in particular. But I know it's not a glamorous position, but I know it's a position that Packer fans are really concerned and, and laser focused in on in this offseason. So we are going to focus up there our last show of the week and we'll be back next week the offseason is already flying by we're already almost a week into february so much more to get to so much more to come so you have to stay locked on packers <laughs>